great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Welcome into the Staple Show. Shout a Buffalo Bills football podcast. Sheila Atkins with the line of the night as Matt out trying to catch his turkey. We're about 10 minutes late here, and I wasn't. But I was just talking to Ryan about this. The last two years, we have been out of pocket for Thanksgiving, and we are hosting at my house. So it's just a little bit crazy right now. We're doing a million different things, trying to kind of fit everything in, Ryan. And it and it and one thing becomes crystal clear to me how amazing my beautiful wife is that she has done this all by herself for the last two years yeah you're right i mean we we were in detroit last year new orleans two years ago so we didn't have to worry about uh you know the preparations if you have people over to the house things like that we were trying to find places that were open in new orleans on thanksgiving day that was a night game i had a shrimp po' boy you know we had minor problems compared to uh those that host these year in and year out uh, you didn't have any problems finding things open uh, the night before Thanksgiving, though, Ryan Talbot. No, we had a good time. Good time. <laughs> Speaking of a good time, prepare for a Thanksgiving like no other with unbelievable savings on everything you need to create a memorable holiday meal. I know that we're in the final moments before Thanksgiving, but if you need a juicy golden turkey or fresh cranberries for cranberry sauce that's bursting with tangy sweetness, Tops has got it all and more. As you plan your Thanksgiving menu, make Tops your destination for savings. All right, Ryan, we have a lot to get into tonight. We have a super charged uh, insider questions episode uh, locked and loaded for everybody. I put out the call to our Shout Insiders today, and they delivered in a big way. So we'll get into a lot of that. But two big topics that I want to get into from the jump, and that is reflecting on the early returns of the switch from Ken Dorsey to Joe Brady and hearing people talk about it nationally. It's interesting because I I was listening to Jordan Palmer. Uh, We had him on the podcast uh, at the beginning of the season. He went on with um, Rich Eisen today. And it was interesting hearing him talk about what he thinks is the biggest difference from Dorsey to Brady and talking about, and, and he was asked specifically about why Allen has struggled at times this season while also pointing out what we've pointed out, the touchdown numbers, completion percentage numbers, all the good things that he's done. He brought up it. He brought something up again, Brian Dable. And I feel like all the people super connected to this thing that maybe aren't in the building every day are talking about what happened when that change happened from Dable to Dorsey. And like, Ryan, if you go back to like late 2020, when I think that was when Staley was getting hired for the Chargers job. And people started, you know, talking about Brian Dable getting head coaching interviews and us talking about um who are who's the p- potential next OC for the Bills. I remember talking about that at the time. And and if we have an insider out there or somebody that listens to the show a lot that can pull this piece out from one of those shows, I remember talking about some of my concerns for Ken Dorsey as the OC just because of the potential personality um traits that I felt like I hate to put it this way, but like that he was lacking. 
I want to play a clip and well, first, before I play the clip, what are your thoughts on that? And, and, and just how much they've maybe missed the extra stuff that Brian Dable brought to the job, the FaceTimes, the fun, the, the, the energy, all those kinds of things. Yeah. I think that's actually a great talking point because Ken Dorsey, you know, he was labeled as the mad scientist, uh, but he wasn't ever labeled as this high energy, uh, have the guys dancing, doing the FaceTimes over the off season, all the things that Brian Dable did, did that uh, the players just absolutely loved. And while we don't know about Joe Brady, he, he certainly brings a certain type of energy to this offense uh, from what we saw pregame on the field last week to what we're hearing from the players now. Yeah, I was talking to um, this week's look at the opponent. Uh, I, I met up with uh, Brooks Kupina from The Athletic, and that podcast is going to be out uh, tomorrow afternoon, give you some Thanksgiving, uh, a little extra food on your Thanksgiving to dive into. And he, you know, he covered Joe Brady at LSU, and he talked a little bit about it on the podcast yesterday. But he talked about just how much he was important to the diversity of that offense from from spinning through different options at the wide receiver position. And, you know, putting Jamar Chase, putting Terrence Marshall, putting Justin Jefferson in different situations and trying to find the best matchup and, and spinning the wheel a little bit so that they landed on those things. And, and that's where I think that he was so effective as the passing game coordinator there. And I learned that he was much more integral to that offense than maybe I had I had understood beforehand um, in terms of play calling, you know, in the meetings, working with the receivers. I mean, he's a former wide receiver and you wonder how much those now like getting Brady on board doesn't get some of these bills, wide receivers excited about just that purview. I mean, Dorsey's a former quarterback, right? And sometimes having the ability to look into different position rooms is really important too. And that's something that Brian Dable, I remember Brandon Bean saying how much that was, important when they were talking to him because he had spent just a, a year studying with Dante's Karnakia just on the offensive line. You know, right. he had, he had been in different position groups. He spent a lot of times with Gronkowski in the tight ends room in new England. Like he had done different things. And I wonder if Brady brings that um, all encompassing appeal to this offense. He very well may, Matt, and you're right. Having that all around background, being able to work with the wide receivers, being able to, uh, have that one, that knowledge of the quarterback position too from you know playing in in college no matter, no matter the position if you're playing on the offensive side of the ball you have an understanding of uh, what all the skill sets bring to the table how you can utilize them for the best and that's certainly something that Joe Brady has brought to the table here throughout his young career. All right, so let's play this clip uh, from Stefan Diggs today. And if you go back to last week, I pointed it out on a couple of our shows. Like he was the one guy, despite the respect that he showed to Dorsey, was kind of, you know, maybe this is something that we need, the the switch to Brady. And and the it's very early, like Steph says, but this these were the returns that he saw over the last week. The preparation process, like we got to having fun by preparing during the week and going out there and executing, executing, bringing energy and just the players and like Josh, all that kind of works in tandem. But I say it always is some carryover. Like when you win, you want to get some snowball effect to get another one, to get another win and try to put them, build them up in the win column because obviously you can see we kind of been just like win, lose, win, lose or whatever, how it been. But for me, I feel like you can carry it over, but you more so carry over the preparation process. That preparation process is key. Um, and I feel like uh, I give a 
shout out real, real early, but I give a shout out to Coach Brady on bringing a lot of the juice. I think he drinks a lot of coffee and a lot of monsters or whatever the, uh, the brand is because he brings a lot of juice and he lets you know that if y'all don't got it, I'm going to bring it for you. So, I mean, it's, it's obviously working and um, let's keep it going. Yeah, have a good one. Thank you. Steph Diggs made sure to wish everybody a thank happy Thanksgiving. He was in a good mood. And there's reason to be in a good mood with the way that that offense played last week. And, like, there's a lot of people hesitant about buying in on last week's performance, right? The Jets are this tire fire. Um, it's it, The ship is going down offensively. I, I, I made the point last week, like, how long can this defense hold up knowing how inept that offense is? But even with that being said, like, you do not hang 30 that conveniently on this Jets defense. Like, I'm buying in, Ryan, and I'm a little bit hesitant, like knowing what we saw out of this team the last six weeks, but, you know, seeing the video of Josh Allen on the sideline, the swagger, saying that he feels like he's effing back, and, like, you know, Stefan Diggs talking about that and seeing that from him. I guess Allen went to Diggs before, uh, or, or a couple teammates, and said, listen, if you see me kind of down or, or, or you see me not acting a certain way, give me a kick in the butt. And like to me, that's huge because it feels like they're trying everything to get back to what they had, where they had success. It's a good start. And I think good uh, vibes here early from Brady. Yeah, great vibes early from Brady. And, you know, it's not just the vibes, it's not just the energy. It's uh, taking this playbook, the, the Ken Dorsey offense, the Brian Dable offense, what, you know, the meshing of the two, whatever you want to call it. And just implementing things, pre-snap motion, not just for the sake of pre-snap motion, but to run different looks out of it like they did early on in the game. First play, they had Diggs in motion. They faked it to him. They went to the other side. Second play, they had him in motion. They threw it to him. Uh, things like that. Even the jet sweeps, just to have that in the playbook, the quarterback runs, just to have that is something opposing teams have to uh, you know, game plan for. But then also scheming guys open, the way that he schemed James Cook open for his easy touchdown reception, the way that uh, Ty Johnson was absolutely wide open on that fourth and one conversion that he did the rest of the work on and, and went to the end, uh, end zone, excuse me. So he, you know, it, it's not just the energy, but the energy part is great too. And you do see certain players uh, bring that energy to the sidelines. I watched the mic up piece and, you know, you see Dalton Kincaid is this young kid that has a lot of the, the juice or energy on the sideline. You saw Steph Diggs and his leadership in that extended 10-minute uh, mic'd up uh, clip where he's going over to Dalton Kincaid and other players and just really uh, keeping them kind of hyped up on the sideline. So, you know, it, it's just one game, and you don't want to overstate it just yet, but it's certainly a step in the right direction. Indeed. Um, I want to get into this injury report here uh, quickly because as we look to the weekend um, and this game against the Eagles, which to me is – it's critical because I, I don't think everything is on the line here. Like, I don't think it's a must win game. And I, and I said that on the radio on Tuesday and, and I'm pulling back from that a little bit because I still think that there's a path where you play a Kansas city team that just doesn't seem like they know where their offense is right now in two weeks coming off a bye. you know, you lose this game, maybe you go to seven or uh, six and six, you know, you come back, you go seven and six for a huge game at home against Dallas. You win that game eight and six. And then all of a sudden you have some some winnable games on the road against the Chargers uh, at home against the Patriots. So, you know, you could get to the Miami game with 10 wins just right there. And I know Dallas is playing about as good a football as anybody in the league right now. But listen, I, I buy into previous 
um, results until you prove otherwise. December uh, Dak, December Lamar Jackson, it hasn't been pretty in previous years. And so, like, until they show that they can kind of flip the script a little bit on what they've been, uh, I'm holding out on, you know, this you know, superpower that these two teams are kind of looking to be. And that's coming from a guy that picked the, the Cowboys to go to the Super Bowl. Like if you go back to my preseason uh, before training camp, I did the little, uh, uh, what are they? The, the little uh, the mini helmets. helmets. The mini helmets. I, I put them together to do all the the playoff matchups. And I had Dallas and everybody was like, whoa, what are you doing? The Cowboys in the, in the Super Bowl. And it's like, I thought that they were going to have a big year. I mean, C.D. Lamb is like turning into the guy that I think a lot of people thought he could be. Dak's playing well, but everything's different when the when the calendar hits December, Ryan. Yeah, everything is different, and I agree with you. This week is not a must-win game. Uh, the Bills have to win all their conference games left, essentially. They've been very poor within their own conference, so the Chiefs game is more important for that matter. Uh, defeating the Chargers, defeating you know the their other AFC East rivals, those are the important ones, and if they you handle business in those games, they can get close to that 10-win point or can get to the 10-win point. And then you obviously have games, though, against the Cowboys who have had their ups and downs over the past few years, especially late in the season. So there's still a path there for the Bills, but they've dug themselves a hole, and, and they need to find a way out of it against some steep, uh, you know, some really good and tough competition. So the injury report, report came out today, the first one of three and obviously we have to start with Taron Johnson in the concussion protocol. And it's a tricky week, Ryan, because we didn't see practice today. It was a walkthrough. Uh, tomorrow's off because of Thanksgiving. The Bills will practice, but the media will not be there. And then Friday is Fast Friday, where we only get to go out for the very beginning portion. So we may see Taron Johnson in a red jersey. We may not see him out there. So we'll get like a just a baseline level of where he's at but we won't be able to go see him go through individual drills. So it's going to be really hard to project where he's at going into this weekend's game. And to me, out of everybody on this list, Dane Jackson with a concussion, DNP, I thought Christian Benford played really well when he came into the game for him. You know that they can bring up Jamar Ingram, uh, Jamarcus Ingram, excuse me, Josh Norman, they have available to them as well. Um, you know, Cam Lewis is on the injury report limited today with the shoulder. He played really well, by the way, for Taron Johnson, over the weekend. Uh, but I'm starting with Taron Johnson because because of this against this team, you need your best tacklers. And in, in, we know what uh, Taron Johnson does in that department. Absolutely. And he, you know, he's just so vital to this defense in general when everyone's healthy. But when you look at the injuries and the losses that they've had in terms of key players uh, on their D line and Daquan Jones, linebacker, Matt Milano, uh, I would argue that in the secondary, he's probably their most important player at this point in everyone's mm -hmm. respective careers. And if you don't have him out there in this matchup uh, against a really good Eagles team, an Eagles team that uh, likes to put A.J. Brown in the slot and, you know, use him in the middle of the field, and uh, it's going to be a, a problem for this Bills team to try to figure it out. Now, Cam Lewis, like you said, stepped in. Uh, and played very well last week, but he's on the injury report with the shoulder injury limited. Uh, so it's concerning. And, and, you know, it was very concerning that just about every injury against the Jets last week was in that secondary. And they've already been banged up there. They already have guys playing at less than 100%. So, you know, getting some of these guys ready and available and prepared is going to be the key to this game and being able to make sure that they can stay on the field because, like you said, yeah, there's probably going to be an elevation of a Jamarcus Ingram or uh, something like that. But 
this is not going to be an easy game uh, considering all the, how banged up they are on that back end, Matt. Um, so I see uh, from pops mafia here in the, in the comments, will they still put out a practice report tomorrow? They will, they'll put out the, the injury report and it will say, you know, who was limited, who was uh, DNP. Uh, so we'll get it. We'll get a sense of what happened, but I, f- if you want a little bit more from like, you know, what we're able to kind of take in during the individual periods that just uh, won't be a, uh, available uh, tomorrow and it's Thanksgiving and everybody's going to be eating a lot of Turkey. So that's okay. If you're watching on YouTube right now, two fifty, we cruise it on a Wednesday night. Everybody's get, everybody's at home. Everybody's getting ready. Although isn't this supposed to be like typically this a is, really big party night? Yeah. That's so maybe people are pregame night of the year. shout. You think? And then again, you know, we're old, Matt. I don't think a lot of people are going out at, uh, 745 at night. I think they wait a little bit longer right. now. Yeah, they're pretty my dude. old party days. I think it was like 10 or 11 that you'd wait to go out for. So dude, I'll be I fast can imagine some of those late fast night asleep. Talbot <laughs> nights back in college. Back, back in uh, on the on, on the campus at Bonnie's just getting after it. Mm-hmm. I, did the, Shout did out OP and the Burton. I was gonna say, do you keep the Olean police department on their on their toes, didn't you? Allegheny. Allegheny in, in ah, excuse me. territory. Excuse me. All right. There you go. Uh, Kayla, our producer, says pregame starts at about 10 p.m. these days. I'll oh. be fast asleep by then. So let us know how it is, it. Kayla. Yeah, let us know how it is. Um, all right. Let's move on. We're going to get to the um, question portion of the episode. That'll be the back half. But we got to get into Darius uh, Leonard, uh, Shaq Leonard. Uh, excuse me. Uh, the, the, the Indianapolis Colts release him surprisingly and i want to go into this whole situation and lay it out because i've been getting a lot of dms a lot of questions what's up elliot uh uh, eisner um over on uh youtube uh eisler excuse me uh one of our regulars what's up buddy so shaq leonard surprisingly gets cut um what happens is uh he hits the waiver wire and if any team were to claim him off of waivers they would be bringing on his current contract which was like six million this year, and I don't know if I think you could get out of it after this year, but I mean it was contracts for like twenty million, twenty one million in the next couple of years. So it, it stood to reason that nobody was going to claim him. He was going to hit the free agent market because nobody wanted to take on that contract. And that's what happened. So he clears waivers. Now he's able to sign with any team, and because of the drop off in production, you're looking at probably the veterans minimum for him to kind of join a good team, try to have a good season, then up his value for free agency uh, next year. We've seen this story play out a bunch of times. And, you know, a lot of people have been blowing up my DMs asking if uh, he's somebody that fit. And obviously he plays weak side linebacker. Um, You know, that after Matt Milano was injured was an area where we started talking about on this show, like, can they go elsewhere? Can they find somebody to plug in there? Can they, they, can they bring in some free agents? Can they do some different things? Ryan, don't look now. But Tyrell Dotson has been the top-graded pro football focus linebacker in all of football since he took over this job. Over 300 snaps. He has a 91, I think-ish, overall defensive grade through 300 snaps. I mean, if you want to talk about a just holy crap story (laughs) here with Tyrell Dotson, we have it. He goes from being like this whipping boy for bill's mafia a portion of it at least to being like now this all of a sudden really integral part and listen they're going to play a lot tougher offenses this gauntlet here over the next four weeks it is really tough 
But to get this quality level of play from Dotson, I'm out on this idea of Leonard. Yeah, you know, I, I want to say that I'm out. I, I think there's going to be better opportunities for him, though. I believe I saw a report that Dallas and Philly are both uh, teams that are expected to be interested in him. And uh, Dallas recently had a linebacker go down for the year, so maybe that's the best spot for him. The Bills would certainly give him an opportunity, but you're right. Dodson's playing really good football. They have Dorian Williams waiting in the wings, and I know he was pulled quite a few times off the field, but uh, he is still someone that the Bills have invested in pretty heavily with a, a day-two pick, so he's part of their equation. Uh, I, I'm not completely out on the idea of it, but with the way that Dodson has been playing as of late, uh, there's no reason for the Bills to be overly eager in terms of trying to replace him. He has uh, answered every question. You know, he, he had a nice uh, strip on on one of the plays recently. He's making good plays in the defense. He's always been outstanding in run defense. Uh, he, he's showing a little bit more in pass defense as well. So, like you said, he, he's being graded highly, but he's also playing very well on you know on tape when you're watching him because I know. Not everyone agrees with all of PFF's metrics and grades. He passes the eye test as well. Yeah, and we've been talking about him, you know, in the last couple of weeks. This isn't something like a new development or anything like that. The thing for me, too, and I do agree with you, like, I'm not out on the idea, but it all depends on the conversation with Leonard. Like, if you are, if you want to come in here and you want to be handed the job from the jump, that's probably not going to be going to happen. So, like, where's your headspace? Do you, because it felt like, there was a little bit in Indianapolis, like he felt a certain type of way about not playing and, you know, having a reduced role. And maybe that led to what this ultimate outcome was. And I think back to the Christian Kirksey situation earlier this season, he just uh, up and decided to retire after coming in here. And a lot was made by me included about his arrival. And it was just like, I think he looked around the room a little bit and saw, okay, uh, Tyrell Dotson's here. Terrell Bernard is this young up and coming buck. Like I don't really see a path to playing uh, and, and he just decided to retire. Yeah, you're right. And, and, you know, it's different scenarios, obviously, but wherever he lands too, you would like to think that he would have some kind of fami familiarity with the playbook, with the coach, something like that. And I don't think there's any links here in Buffalo for, for Leonard in this case. So uh, learning the scheme, learning the defense that can take some time. So, uh, it will be interesting to see where he lands and how quickly he gets on the field. I do see some comments in here saying he hasn't been the same since a back surgery. He has looked like a shell of his former self. At one point, he was one of the best linebackers in this league, uh, and he has not played like it as of late. That's not to say that he can't get back there, uh, that he's not worth you know a roll of the dice on. It's just it might be tough to convince him to come to Buffalo, one, based on where they are right now in the standings, and two, uh, based on the fact that Dodson's playing so well at this point in time. Um, yes. Super chat here. Jeff King, YouTube, Jeff, thank you so much. Dropping five on a Wednesday night. Listen, save that, save that money though. Like I, or maybe Jeff's not, maybe he's like us. Maybe he's in that older category. He's not going out tonight. He's not going to be buying drinks, doing all that kind of stuff that the, getting involved in that debauchery. Uh, I think I've only went out on Thanksgiving Eve one time and man, was it an affair? And, and I only did it one time and there was probably a reason for that. I was a little bit older. Like, I, you know, I, I was late to the party, Ryan. I, th I think that mu must be it. But the super chat is, guys, thank you for the content as always. Happy Thanksgiving to you both and your families. And let me take this opportunity to shout out everybody that listens to Shout a Buffalo Bills football podcast. 
insiders, longtime uh, listeners slash viewers, new to the party, all of the people that support this show, we are beyond grateful for you. Uh, you make this thing go. You make this thing worthwhile for both both of us. Uh, we're so thankful for that support. Uh, and happy Thanksgiving to, to you and yours. And uh, however you celebrate this week, uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Thank you, Jeff, for the super chat. Um, but speaking of insiders, uh, you can become an insider today and talk with Ryan and me as much as you want to. Send us text. Send us uh, angry texts. Send us excited text send us questions comments concerns become a shout insider 716-528-6727 that's 716-528-6727 become an insider and the shout text line is brought to you by carrie c buyer attorney with the law offices of francis m Litra, located at 237 main street buffalo new york if you or someone you know is seriously injured give him a call at 716-852-1234 or check out Litro law Dot com. All right, Ryan, we have to get into the Shout Insider questions that were sent in today. And we'll start with Katie, uh, who asked, can you attribute the offense's energy and showing on Sunday against the Jets to Joe Brady or to a change generally? Do you think from what you saw that the offense showed signs of different um, managing enough that it uh, had to have been Joe's fingerprints. What are your thoughts on that, Ryan? Well, the energy part, I mean, Stefan Diggs pretty much answered for us uh, today saying how Joe Brady has brought the energy during the week. And if you don't bring it, I'm going to bring it and everything that he said. Brady definitely deserves a, a big piece of the credit for the energy that we saw from this offense uh, on Sunday against the Jets. Uh, obviously, there are guys on this team that always bring the energy on the offense side of the ball. You always have Deion Dawkins getting the crowd riled up on defense. Jordan Phillips is always trying to get the crowd into it. Uh, but the players themselves, the way that they were running around, the way that Allen ran down Khalil Shakir and uh, slapped him on the helmet what felt like a dozen times, and the way James Cook was you know, jumping into the crowd after his touchdown, uh, things like that, you know, they, they definitely did seem to have a little bit more energy and Maybe some of that was just kind of uh, trying to bring it out of themselves, trying to get themselves going a little bit. But certainly I think Brady deserves a ton of the credit for that. Yeah, and I think like there's resolve in the organization because they've been here before. Like that's a piece of this. Like I think that when you have like past experience to feed off of or to energize team meetings, like that's something that Josh has mentioned several times. Like we've been here before. We know – what it's like to have our backs up against the wall. Uh, I'm paraphrasing there, but you know, that's really important. And so when you go out and you try to reclaim this energy, this, this um, super hero like energy, and it's funny hearing Diggs talk about it today. He's like, you know, when I can, because Rasul Douglas actually credited him with, you know, before his second game going over to him and saying, listen, don't press, be yourself. Like, don't overthink it. Just go out and play. And that was huge for Douglas, who we remember talking about when they traded for him. He was the guy giving that message to everybody in the building back in Green Bay. So to have that kind of shift in the powers, and um, Diggs kind of mentioned, like, when I can, I go up to guys and put a battery in their back. Like, I, I thought that was kind of cool how he kind of thinks of things sometimes. But it's easy to do that when you have all of these skeletons in the closet, if you will, right? 13 seconds getting beat down in your first AFC title game together, you know, um, 
the Cincinnati game, the DeMar Hamlin situation, like all of the adversity that this team has faced over the years, you know, collectively, they can, they can draw from that. And I think that that's part of what I think if you're sitting here at six and five right now, knowing the daunting schedule that sits ahead, to me, that's where you could kind of, you know, feed off of that stuff as well. Oh, absolutely. You can feed off of that as well. And I love the part about Diggs talking to Russell Douglas and how Russell Douglas reacted to that two interceptions and uh, a fumble recovery and the way that he covered Garrett Wilson last week. I mean, he was just on him. He knew when to break on the ball. He showed why the bills were so excited about acquiring him at the deadline. And it was everything Brandon Bean said he creates turnovers and, and he, sure enough, that's what he's doing or what he did against this jets team. And, you know, it's what the bills are going to need from him against some really tough offenses down the stretch. All right, we have another one here from Christy, uh, one of our regulars in the Shout Insider text line. She asks, what are your thoughts on the offensive line? This year, uh, they have stayed without injuries and been able to work as a whole unit. We don't seem to hear much on Edwards and McGovern. Has Bates seen any playing time? How is uh, the rookie Osiris Torrance holding up? I have a lot of thoughts on this. I will let you start, though, Ryan. But before I do, I must say, how about David Edwards running a play as a basically a tight end in motion uh, last week? I mean, talk about the athleticism of that guy. That was pretty sweet. It was pretty sweet, you know. But but to answer this question, in my opinion, this is the best offensive line that Josh Allen has uh, had in front of him in his career in Buffalo. And that's, you know, I'm not saying that's saying something because there's been some underwhelming units. Uh, but I look at Deion Dawkins. You could argue that this has been his best year of his career. He's having a really nice bounce-back season from what I would consider a down year in 2022. Uh, Connor McGovern doesn't seem to get a lot of love from pro football focus, but every time I watch him, he's doing his job and doing his job well. Uh, he, he's doing everything that I think Buffalo was expecting him to do when they signed him in free agency. Mitch Morse, still a big Mitch Morse guy, still someone that uh, I like his skill set. Uh, but he's also a player that has to lean on his athleticism more than his physicality. He's getting a little bit older. There's one spot that maybe the Bills need to look down the road to try to replace. Uh, sooner rather than later, it might be to find the heir apparent there, unless they think that's Ryan Bates. Osiris Torrance seemed to hit a wall a few weeks ago uh, after a really strong start, but I think he's rebounded nicely the past few games. <laughs> and then at right tackle, you know, Spencer Brown has answered every question I think that people had about him going into this year, the durability uh, with the back issues, the can he hold up in terms of just simply playing the position. I think that he's had a really good year at right tackle. Has he been perfect? Absolutely not. Uh, but he's been, this is by far his best season. And then with Edwards, Edwards has come in a lot uh, as that extra O lineman has a lot of familiarity uh, with Aaron Cromer, I, I feel like Cromer in year two has really coached these guys up, and this is the best that I've seen them play. What about you, Matt? So my concern level for Torrance is moderate, but it's rising. Like, I think we're entering a portion of the schedule where he's going to face some elite defensive lines. Yes. And my concern there is if he's hit a rookie wall, as some of our um, – uh, listeners have mentioned in the comments on YouTube. And if you're liking watching on YouTube, hit that like and subscribe button, then this thing's going to only maybe go from bad to worse for him. And that's a concern. You know, PFF obviously gave him a very low grade, I think under 10 for pass blocking in his last game. I don't know if it was that bad. 
Um, but the bright side of all of this, like even with Torrance kind of fighting through that wall, if that's the case or whatever the case may be, and maybe that if I get a chance, I'll, I'll, I'll try to talk with him uh, on Friday or maybe next week. Look at this pass protection chart from um, Ben Baldwin, who puts out this composite ratings every week uh, on pass blocking. And it's unbelievable to see the Bills who, you know, Brandon Bean has gotten so much heat over the years for not building a wall in front of Josh Allen from a pass blocking perspective. Well, he seems to have accomplished the mission. And he through 11 weeks, the Bills have the highest score of composite rankings um, on this list uh, in terms of pass blocking. And what it does is it takes the PFF grade, uh, Sports Information Solutions, uh, their metric, and then ESPN's uh, pass block win rate, and it puts them all together. And if you combine all of those numbers together, the Bills are the number one ranked um, offensive line pass blocking unit in the NFL, Ryan. I mean, that is, that's crazy to think about. I think a lot has to do with the continuity. They've played the whole season together. And if you're a Bills fan, you're knocking on wood right now because, you know, you need this to continue. But I agree with Josh Allen's assessment today. It starts for me with Deion Dawkins. He's playing this the caliber of football that we saw at the end of 2021. He's been a, so like a, a stabilizing force for this unit. Uh, they're letting him have some fun. They're getting him out in space at times. He's been really good. And I think he's setting the standard for this whole unit. And also I'll let you get to this now, but I got a lot of thoughts on this. Spencer Brown's play this year has forced me to pivot off of what I was thinking earlier this season, that you take your draft capital that you've accumulated this off season and you move it around and you go get a, a tackle. I don't think you need to be as aggressive now that you've seen this kind of uptick for Spencer Brown, but it also brings up a question. What's the long-term viability of Dawkins at left tackle? Mm -hmm. Do you have any visions of moving him inside? And then maybe Spencer Brown is one going out and getting a tackle. Is this the year that you want to invest there? Because there's other needs too. They got to go defensive tackle probably because of what's going on at that position. There's nobody under contract. But at Oliver past this season. Yeah, and listen, I would probably throw a wide receiver two into the mix too for the 100%. draft in terms of uh, what the Bills might do with their first round pick because I think uh, it's going to be hard to get Gabe Davis back here um, unless it was a very agreeable contract for the team because what he might be trying to get just doesn't seem maybe attainable to the Bills based on their cap space, based on his production. Uh, but anyways, back to the offensive line, Matt. You know, the metrics all say something, but, you know, just watching that Jets game, the Jets have tormented Josh Allen and pressured Josh Allen, got after him year after year after year. In that game, they had four quarterback hits and one sack. Uh, that says something. And then I, I know that was a pass, uh, pass blocking grade being first in the league. I know they're not elite in terms of run blocking, but, you know, th there needs to be a little bit of a discussion on their run blocking. James Cook is number four in the league right now, Matt, in rushing yards. Number four, that feels like it flies under the radar uh, because when we think of this offense, you think of Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, Dalton Kincaid is getting a lot of shine, and rightfully so. We've been talking up Khalil Shakir a lot as of late again, and rightfully so. And as much as we like James Cook and we talk about him, you know the fact that at this point in the season he's in the top five in rushing yards, it's flown completely under the radar, uh, in my opinion, at least nationally, how nice of a season he's having. No, I think you're right on the money with with what Cook's done and you know his importance to the to the game. I mean, like having that dual threat and being able to kind of line him outside. It's funny because the Bills like 
I don't know if it's the Sean McDermott vibe on their offense, but it's it's so weird when they go into empty with the running back out there and Latavius Murray somehow manages to be the outside boundary wide receiver. And you're just like, don't you want to throw James Cook in there for that? Like, it, it, it just seems like his role. But as a runner, I think he's exceeded even the most like dramatic expectations. Like he's been consistent. You know, they've at times put a, a, a workload on him. I don't think he's going to be amongst the top 10 uh, in the league when it comes to usage perspective at no. the end of the season. But you start small. I mean, it's his second year. And, and one of the things with Cook going back to his college days is like he's never been a bell cow back. And I don't think you need him to be. I think they like the balance that they've struck. And now all of a sudden, maybe you have something with Ty Johnson who looks like he's running – you know who Ty Johnson's game last week reminded me of? Isaiah Who's Pacheco that? for the Kansas hmm. City Chiefs. You ever see the way that Pacheco runs with the ball? Like he runs like he's Forrest Gump every single time the ball is in his hands. He is just like, he's coming down the driveway, he's spinning around the corner, and he's taking off. Like that's the vibes I got from Ty Johnson. And sometimes these guys that, you know, get an opportunity, like late round draft picks, UDFAs, like that have a speed element to their game, like, you know, when you can lean into that and use it, that that's a dynamic that is interesting. Fournette's not bringing that dynamic, Ryan. No, he's not bringing the, the burst or the speed uh, that Ty Johnson has or, you know, that James Cook has. He does have the between-the-tackles rushing. He does have the pass catching coming off of his 73-catch season. But you're right, the skill set in terms of the speed, it's not there. And uh, coming off of the, the game that Bill, the Bills just had, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that you need to have Fournette in, in your mind is a possible elevation. Uh, he, it's someone great to have on the practice squad in case of an injury. There's no doubt about that. But uh, Ty Johnson probably earned a little bit more runway. And when you also factor in how good he is on special teams, that's another thing to take into consideration. Uh, you, you know what you have in James Cook. You know what you have in Latavius Murray. So the backfield's been solid. And, and you know, great point from you that uh, looking at the top five backs in this league, Cook is even coming close in terms of usage or carries to guys like Christian McCaffrey. And I'm, I'm assuming nowhere close to the amount of carries that a Travis Etienne has and some of these other guys on that list. And yet he's still producing at a high clip. Um, we got a lot of questions here in the insider chat line. And if this, if, if you're interested, if you want to get involved in the party, I know we always um, bring in YouTube questions too, and we're going to continue to do that. Uh, but the access to us is so much cleaner. If you become an insider, two-week free trial, check it out, 716-528-6727. That's 716-528-6727. Uh, Ryan and I are a great tag team. We take turns trying to get back to everybody when they're asking us questions uh, throughout the week. And then we you know, bring uh, a big haul of questions in every few weeks in season. Uh, and, and we got a lot of ideas for this thing in, in the offseason as well. Um, next one, let's go to the uh, Ultimate Warrior. Which, by the way, I love the oh. fact that that's his name in here. Yep. Like, I don't know if he was able to set that or if that's like, like, you know, like if you have an iPhone and you got like a friend contact, you got to accept their contact list right. and then whatever their name is, it just auto fills. And so maybe this guy's just like in his own phone. He's like the ultimate warrior. I don't know. Maybe he'll, he'll listen to this and he'll respond to us and he'll tell us how we, he got the ultimate warrior name. But that's pretty sweet, Ryan. Yeah, it is. And he's a regular contributor in the chat. Someone that uh, we hear from a lot and get back to. So. I uh, love answering his questions. Just wanted you guys to touch on the options for replacing Gabe Davis, if not signed next year. Do the Bills go after a player like T. Higgins or someone with a similar frame and skill set? Thanks, guys. You rock. Happy Thanksgiving. Warrior, happy Thanksgiving. 
Uh, Ryan, uh, I'm out on the idea of a Higgins uh, level signing. Uh, mm-hmm. You already have 25 million invested uh, at the receiver position with Diggs. You have a young player in Shakir who I think is developing. And who's to say that you don't get Gabe Davis back on a really low end deal? I, I think he's a honestly played himself out of that Jacoby Myers money. I think he's probably looking more in that seven to $9 million range, which I think that you could stomach. Maybe you do a one-year deal so that he can try to come back and then hit the free agent market again. And then to your point earlier in the show, I think you got to draft a wide receiver. I think you got to make it a priority. I think of all the positions we mentioned, you can bolster the offensive line later in the in the draft. Defensive tackle, Aleem McNeil. I was banging the table for this guy a couple years, Ryan. And now look at him. He's just, he's becoming a superstar. Big guy in the middle for the Detroit Lions. You know, biting kneecaps for Dan Campbell. It's like, I, I, I tried to warn you. But anyway, you could handle that later in the draft. There's, there's guys like that. But wide receiver, I think you get aggressive and you go up and get the one that you want. We've seen what it means this year. Jordan Addison coming in and making a huge impact year one. Zay Flowers as well. Yeah, uh, I, and that's where I'm at. I think I think the draft is the most likely spot. And I know, you know, some people would have some reservations about that is uh do you really want to have a rookie as your wide receiver too? Well, a lot of these guys are coming in and they're producing pretty quickly a, as rookies and you would still have Stefan Diggs and this player if you like them enough might even be the heir apparent for Stefan Diggs. T Higgins would be an outstanding option. Uh, but in my opinion, he's a wide receiver one, and he's going to get paid like a wide receiver one. So the, the Bills don't have the cap space for a, a player like that. When you get into that next level or next tier of wide receivers, you know you might find someone that can come in and contribute, but it, it's hard to find a a regular number two type of receiver without breaking the bank these days. So I think the draft is the best avenue there. Add some veterans, though, for you know the the latter the later part of the depth chart. Uh, in terms of that position. How many likes do you think we have live right now on YouTube? We have over 300 watching, Ryan. How many likes on this video? Not enough. 79, Ryan. You gotta get that thing up, man. If you are watching on YouTube right now, smash it. Tell them how to do it, Ryan. Well, it's pretty simple. There's just a little like button. Hit it. Smash it. Dude it. Dude. Isn't that the word that uh, Dalton Kincaid used? That is. is that right? Yeah. You brought, you brought it into the to, to the That's program right. with energy. Hit it, hit it with the a lot button. of energy, Ryan. So I, I you know, I, I will say this. I've been I've watched some podcasts before on YouTube, and if you're not logged in, uh, you can't do it. So, you know, make sure you're logged in when you're watching us live and uh hit that like button. Yeah, hit that like button. And I I don't know if you could actually do it on the when you're watching on TV. I love that by the way. That to me is such a vibe. When you're able to pull up the the YouTube yeah. video with some dinner in the living room, you know, bring the kids in. It's fam- it's family friendly, right? We try to keep a PG on the program, right. like That's you know, right. none of that McAfee business with all this swearing all the time. All right, just kidding. and, and I do it. like it when people send us the pictures with us up on the TV. It's it's pretty cool. It's pretty humbling. Yeah. You need, you need more humbling, Ryan. You're a real <laughs> cocky individual. All right. Uh, Steve Savino, Saviano, excuse me. Maybe Osiris has gotten to the rookie wall. Hasn't missed a snap all season, but he's been a really pleasant surprise. Is it possible that Ryan Bates, remember him, gets some time if Torrance continues to struggle? It's a great question. Uh, I, I just don't know if the Bills would want to pull him in terms of the continuity that he's built with this O-line. Uh, in terms of we haven't seen much from Bates this year. We know Bates is a capable player. 
on the inside end at guard. I think Torrance would have to be really, really bad in some of these games uh, against like the Eagles and against the Chiefs uh, for the Bills to consider that. And, you know, I like Bates for for who he is, but I'm not sure you're getting much of an upgrade if you throw him in there at that spot. Um, we get, uh, I think that's a good answer. And we, and we kind of covered that as uh, already as well. John actually brings, throws in a, an interesting topic and I, and I love your take on it. Um, I will provide mine as well. Um, he says he'd like a question asked of Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs someday. And maybe I will, uh, but I would like to react to this. Love them both, but really hate hearing how there is nothing to do in Buffalo. What exactly do they want to do that they can't do other than surf in the ocean? Seriously, have them tell us how crappy our city is. Just rubbed me wrong and nobody ever calls them uh, out on it. And actually, this has been something that I've noticed that Josh says a lot too. And what's funny about that, the juxtaposition of it, is that he also talks about how much he loves Buffalo because it's his vibe of a city. So like when he says it, like, and this is me just guessing, and we the best person to ask is, is Josh about this maybe next week. I think he's saying it in like a perception based way. Like, you know, there's nothing to do in Buffalo. That's what everybody thinks. But, you know, I think Josh pretty much enjoys his time in Buffalo and enjoys now Diggs, on the other hand, he probably would like a bigger city, like a more like a, a better party vibe. You know, though there's there's limitations there. But I don't necessarily think you have to have everything that you want in the city that you're playing in to be happy there. Yeah. No, I think that's well said. And that's what the off season is, is for too, in terms of going where you want to be in terms of the nightlife, in terms of, you know, Stefan Diggs is big into fashion and, and things like that. Yeah. The fashion scene at Buffalo is probably lacking a lot of Zubas, uh, a lot of oversized, you know, sweatshirts and, and winter coats, but, he, you know, he can walk the runway in the off season. He can go to all the fashion shows out, out of the country and things like that. Then, um, but I, I get, I get where they're coming from. There are certain things, certain aspects, the nightlife, things like that. But in season, no, those aren't the things you should be looking to be doing, anyways. Teams generally have curfews throughout the week, especially closer to game day. So, uh, I think Buffalo is really good in that respect in terms of keeping players focused on the game itself. To me, what I would take bigger issue with was Allen's comments on the fans, right? Like not knowing if that's what his intention was. And we never really drilled into that. And maybe at some point this season or the off season, we could. But like, listen, we see some of the some of the people, like even in just the fan media space, like the guys over at Cover One, Eric Turner, who is just brilliant with the way that he breaks down the game and understands the game and there's a huge chunk of the fan base that is super dialed into the specifics of how football works and like the intricacies of it all and sometimes i feel like it's super um you know it doesn't feel right to take a shot at them knowing how much time money effort that they invest into all of this and sometimes and i even put this out this is kind of like a sidebar here that really just irritated me the other day with um brandon staley's press conference when he said he stood at the podium and he said i'm not here to talk to the fans because one of the questions was was posed to him by one of the reporters like you know fans maybe don't believe that you should be calling the defense and he kind of responded like i'm not here to talk to the fans it's like wait a second brandon 
The only reason you're standing at that podium is to answer to the fans. Like that is why you are in the job that you're in, that you get to be in the world that you're in is because there is this unbelievable like ecosystem of people that love football and like, you know, pay all this money and devote all this time to the sport that creates the NFL. And a lot of times in the locker room, like I feel like sometimes players, there's so many great interactions with players. Like most of them are, but occasionally there's just bad ones. And, you know, it almost feels like they feel that they're, they're having to answer to me, Matt Perino, because I'm asking them a question when in reality, I'm just a middleman in this. I'm, I'm the, 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 the arm of the fan base. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm holding that recorder for them so that they can get dialed in understanding, answer questions. Like that's how this thing is supposed to work. And sometimes I feel like just the overall um, way that it works is lost on, on people on both sides of it. Sure. And, and listen, Brandon Staley wouldn't have that much of a, you know, an attitude about that question if he was doing a better job coaching that very talented team. So uh, I think he knows his days are numbered there based on the, the talent expectations and what he's produced thus far. My wife just said, whoa, you're going to burst into song. I don't I didn't know if I was that animated, was I? But <laughs> I wasn't feeling well like an hour ago. Um, I have, I've been taking all this medicine. By the way, um, I've, I've gotten some feedback, uh, the last couple shows about my cough. Cause I've had this cough, Ryan, going oh, back forever. to before forever. London, dude, yeah. why don't you tell people about your, your first meeting with this cough? When was that? I, I feel like it was actually before line might've been like one of the first games of the season up in the press box. You were, yeah. but no, bit. tell people about London, how oh, you dealt just, with the cough in London. Uh, yeah. You know, a lot of sleepless nights in London hearing that Perino cough throughout the evening and. Uh, but you know, I survived, I'm still here. And so uh, we were, we had an Airbnb and you were were sleeping in the other room and I was in, we were at, in rooms like right next to each other and man, bless your heart. I was coughing, dude. I was hacking up a lung in that, in that bedroom. And you never complain. You you woke up every day with a smile and we hit the streets and in old London town and, and we got after it. And I appreciate that. Yeah, listen, this was not like a mansion of an Airbnb either. We were, we were just feet apart, probably. Basically. Yeah, that's my that's my bad. Yeah, I booked no, that. I, no, I, I don't have a lot of experience not, in the Airbnb the department, but yeah, it, it got the job done. Um, anyway, so this morning I took just like a myriad of of pills. I got the Mucinex going. I got an antibiotic going. I just went to the doctor antibiotic going i got a uh steroid going for the cough i took some flonase last night so there's a lot going on in the system right now trying to push this thing through and man did i just not feel it but i sat down we got going on shout and man i'm I'm a new man i'm feeling uh rejuvenated so it sounds like you're on too much stuff to enjoy that sarah jessica parker wine that uh the missus bought tonight huh not gonna dive into that no, I'm not a big wine guy. I'm probably gonna get some, uh, dude, really? Uh, we're going off the rails in the YouTube. Yeah, that, that comment. Yeah, no, no. That, that, that will not help your Come cough. on, Dobbs. Come on, Dobbs. Like, we didn't, do we have to go there? Do we have to go there? We sometimes, you know, just get your head out of the gutter. All right, a couple more here before we get out. Scott Blakely, do you think it's possible for the Bills to win out? No. 
Uh, if I'm being honest, I haven't seen enough consistency from this team. Uh, you know, if you can somehow pull off wins the next two weeks, you might be able to turn me into somewhat of a believer, but the consistency hasn't been there. And it's not just even that. It's how ravaged they are on defense and how it seems like every time there is an injury, it's on that side of the ball and they're uh, battling through these things. I, I don't think running the table is a possibility, but I, I think that they can go the rest of the way with, you know, one or two losses. Uh, and then, you know, it, see where the chips fall at that point in terms of a playoff spot dude look at dave ratsky sending us the pick he's watching on the tv at home thanksgiving eve hooking it up in here dave got us on the big screen we appreciate you buddy i want to give you the shout out i got that thing up real quick do you like that that's technology ryan that's how you produce and do it live all at the same time over 300 watching live we really appreciate it hit that like button subscribe to the channel as well tell your friends and family you're all getting together tomorrow on thanksgiving tell them what you did on wednesday night you're watching shout you got to subscribe on youtube there you go uh Spread get things going um can the bills win out wow i i don't want to say definitively no is that too much maybe i am on the sauce i don't know but like <laughs> I do think that there is something to be said for the way that they finished last season and something that they can kind of reach back to. I, my concern is more defensively than it is, especially with Taryn's injury. Like um, if he can't go this week, that's a real big question mark for me. Um, but could they theoretically win out? I mean, yeah, they could. There's a, I'm, I, there's a 10% chance that they could, I guess, right? Like, they're, it's really, they're really tough games, but you could pick holes into all these teams. You could find sure. reasons why they can win all these games. So I'm not going to say definitively no. Very unlikely, though. Fair. Very fair. You got anything else on that, Ryan? While I look no, for the I, I kind of already answered that one first, so. All right. We're on the same page. All right, Tanya, uh, this will be the last one. Von Miller is a good place to end. Lots of talk about his lack of production. My question is, is he being effective in ways that aren't necessarily measured? Drawing double teams, freeing somebody else up. Fact is, we're just coming up on a year. I don't think we should be sounding the alarms yet and hate that some people are. That being said, how do you see McDermott handling him moving forward? How does he balance building up his confidence and getting him close to back to where he was pre-injury versus those who are actually making the play? So first off, there's a lot to dive into there that she sure. that she brought up. I do think that the, the the alleged hate that we've seen on social media about about Vaughn, it's been over the top to me. Like I know there's frustrations with this season. I know he makes a lot of money, but man, has he not just been the ultimate statesman since coming in here? Like great teammate. Uh, he's really close with Josh. He's always kind of boasting up, all, pushing up all those guys. Like I think he's one of those the good ones where you give the benefit of the doubt to like it, it seems like he's doing everything he can and listen at 34 i don't want to make excuses for the guy but at 34 years old this was always going to be a daunting recovery i'm not overreacting to the fact that we're excuse me like 180 snaps in and he's not where you need him to be yet i put out a tweet the other day on monday because i've seen a lot of this and i said i am not giving up on the on the on the hope for Bills fans that Von Miller gets back to somewhere close to what we saw last season before the injury and I don't think we're really going to know till we get to around that 300th snap. He didn't have any training camp. Like this is still like build them up mode. I mean really if you want to talk about reps 
right? Remember we talked about Spencer Brown last year with how many reps he missed in the summer. Just think about how many reps Von Miller has missed and how many now he's got to take before he gets to a point of just where you'd be in September and October. So I think by the end of December, we'll get a much more clear picture. Um, I think we might get a chance to talk to him on Friday. So we'll get a sense of where he's at with the brace. Cause I know a lot of fans think that's something that's been a holdup, but watching him rush Ryan, it just seems like, you know, he's relying on his speed, his athleticism a lot. And, and that's usually like kind of almost rushing him out of the play at times. Right. Yeah. You, you see him get pretty far out of the, out of the picture, trying to come around on a play where a lot of times quarterbacks don't hold the ball that long. Uh, the pass rush arsenal is not where it needs to be right now, but as the, you know, the person who asked the question stated, we're only at about a year since this injury took place in the first place. The the fact that he was able to come back when he did and get on the field, it has been, uh, you know, eye opening in terms of his age and how quickly he get back out there. So, you know, at the end of the season, we'll have a better idea, but he, he does provide that leadership off the field. He does do a lot of good things in that regard. Uh, who knows if Leonard Floyd signs here, if maybe, Von Miller's not here having that familiarity with him. And we all know how good Leonard Floyd has been at, uh, this season. So, there, you know, there's little things you can point to and how he has still helped this team. But as a pass rusher, hasn't been very consistent. But there's a reason for that. One, they're limiting his reps. They're getting good production out of Greg Rousseau, A.J. Epinesa. Shaq Lawson made a nice play uh, last week, too. So they have a, a good rotation right now where they're not pressing him on the field for significant snaps week after week. Uh, But you're right. You hope that by the end of the season, you do see some flashes of the Vaughn of old, getting to the quarterback, making those plays, being able to do something in crunch time when they need him. Tony Brooks bringing the heat in the comments here. Look at this. These two guys are total failures in life, and they have a terrible Aurora. Yeah, I think he meant Aura. I think he meant Aura. an O in there. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Like spelling's hard. And 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 like listen, you're on a computer, so I know that you can access Google, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like just okay. throw it out there. Um I, we've heard this a lot, Ryan, about you and I that mm-hmm. we just got like a bad aura, you know? Mm-hmm. Something about our aura it just doesn't doesn't feel great. You know what? I'll, uh, I'm gonna work on that in the body. Work on that for next time, Ryan. Thank that's you. Right. I right. appreciate that. Final note on the Vaughn thing. <laughs> Sorry, a little levity uh on the show, a little fun. Um how is McDermott handling him moving forward? And I think that's interesting because Sean was asked about that today. Uh, it might've been Monday. I'm, I'm kind of putting them two together um, about Von snap count and, and why he hit the number that he did. And he mentioned it's a game to game thing. And I think that's smart. Like let him go into a game and let him tell you how he's feeling and then base how much you um, play him on how he's feeling that game. And I think you're going to eventually hear over the next couple of weeks, maybe land into a spot where he's feeling really good. And maybe you land on a game where you can play him 30 and maybe you start to see a little bit more production. I mean, he had a pressure in this last game, which I feel like is a start. You're looking for any kind of kind of spark. Yeah, that's just it. And, and Vaughn knows his body better than anyone else. He knows when he's, you know, feeling it in terms of getting after the quarterback and how he's moving on the field. So I think that Sean McDermott uh, works with him, talks to him each week to see how he's feeling and, and kind of, they kind of go from there. Um, all right. Speaking of going from here, we got a couple things we got to go to before we get out of here. Uh, and we can wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Two things. Number one, um, shout live. 
is back in your life. December 2nd, we are coming back to 700 Military Road, Wingnuts North Buffalo. Do not miss it. The event page is now live. I'm going to put a link uh, to your to the Facebook event page in the description here. So you could just go uh, say you're going or interested over on Facebook. It'll give you a reminder so you know uh, it's the bye week. So we'll have a lot to dive into. It'll be kind of our final progress report uh, of the season uh, before we hit the final stretch. And it gives us a chance to have wings, beer, uh, drinks with all of you. It is a great time. Uh, we'll be, you know, it'll be the start of real start of Christmas season, Ryan. It's going to be a fun time. That's right. Be there. Uh, December 2nd, Bill's Mafia. Always have a great time at Wing Nuts. That's it. That, that's your big sell at the end. That's it. Dude. You really, I was hoping you were going to bring some like fire there with like, what can they expect when Ryan Talbot is live at Wingnuts, North Buffalo? You know, I, the drinks get flowing. Uh, we go around, we hang out post-show. It's like I said, it's, it's a great time. We we do the photo ops. I love that. I'm shocked anyone wants a picture with this mug, but uh, always down for that. And you, you know, your father-in-law is a master photographer at these shows, so. Come on, uh, come and join us at Wing Nuts. Nikki said Ryan's broken. Um, I can't agree more. And then <laughs> Sheila, pick me up, Ryan. I will ride with you. LOL. Hey. Boom. You got yourself a sidekick. Road That's buddy. Right. Let's That's go. right. I love it. Can't All wait. right. We're brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. Download the Tops Markets mobile app. Make your life super simple. Get the most out of your shopping experience. Check out all the amazing benefits you have at the palm of your hand. Select your preferred store, browse and shop the weekly ad, or by specific department. Easily locate products at your preferred store with our built-in aisle directory. Enjoy contactless shopping with Tops grocery pickup or delivery services and clip digital coupons directly to your Tops bonus plus card. Get the Tops Markets mobile app today. He's Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. Enjoy your Thanksgiving, everybody. Send us out, Ryan. Hey, happy Thanksgiving, Bills Mafia. Thank you for your continuous support. We'll see you again on Friday. That still wasn't good enough. I'm so disappointed in you. <laughs> Have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. We are thankful for you. Shout out. Just literally copied me. Just.